Large parts of northeastern Nigeria are underwater. Hundreds of people have died in the worst flooding in a decade. And the release of water from a dam in neighbouring Cameroon has made it worse. So what's been the government's response? I'm Tom McRae and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyse and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests now in the Namibian capital, Vindhoek, Suleiman Adamu, Nigeria's Minister of Water Resources, and in Abuja, David Arinzi, a climate activist and renewable energy specialist. A warm welcome to both of you. And just to note, we did invite someone from the Cameroon government to join us on the show, uh, but they declined. Um, uh, David, I want to start with you. Uh, first of all, you're, you're there. Can you just give us a bit of an idea of just how bad the flooding is? Thank you so much for having me on the show, and it's such a pleasure to be here at this time. However, it's not a pleasant experience for those who are currently in Nigeria and who are experiencing the impacts of the flood and first hand. I would say, for example, I'm based in Abuja, and Abuja has suffered severe soil scarcity for the past couple of weeks as a result of the flooding. You go back um, just to, uh, some state, uh, some kilometers away from Abuja in Kogi State, you have several trucks of um, loaded with foodstuff, farm produce, uh, livestock, which are also stuck on the road. You know, and the flooding has impacted significantly um, the transportation of goods and services and people. You know, from one place to the another. You can also talk about the number of lives and, and properties and houses that have been lost. You know, um, as at the uh, as at the last report I, I read from Pulse NG, over hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced, and tens of th- uh, tens of people have lost their lives as a result of this flooding. And so, it's it's really a terrible situation. It's not one that is exciting to see. You know, and um, I can tell you that millions of dollars, you know, in, in forms of services, goods, you know, uh, and business activities have been thrown down the drain as a result of this flooding situation happening across the middle belt of uh, the middle belt and states from kogi state to benway state to uh, adamawa to edo to delta state rivers bayosa you name it it is significantly bad and it is not good at all yeah seeing some of the pictures the devastation is just so widespread it's hard to believe um minister there's more than 500 people are dead. There's over a million people displaced. Many uh, that Al Jazeera have spoken to have said that they've simply been forgotten about. So what is the government doing to help them? Well, uh, it's quite a very devastating situation. And uh, my condolences to all the people that have lost their families, or people that have lost their loved ones, and uh, also lost uh, their uh, life, uh, you know, belongings. It's, uh, it's an unprecedented flood, uh, but let me say that uh, almost on an annual basis, we always, uh, around March, April, uh, we have the the Nigeria Meteorological Organization comes out to give a forecast of uh, the climate situation, what is expected during the year. And I follow up as Minister of Water Resources with what we call the annual flood outlook, where we... Uh, bring out all the information about the potential areas that are going to be flooded. Well, the floods have happened, uh, it's difficult to, to, to stop flooding, but uh, at least uh, early warning is important. 
But uh, these rains this year have been so unprecedented, well above the uh, flood situation in 2012. Uh, our gauge, uh, you know, how we get it was the, 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 at the Lokoja conference, or it was Niger and Benue, where in 2012, about uh, the, 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 the gauge reading there was about 12.84 uh, meters. But uh, as of the 4th of October this year, it had reached this, uh, it was 13. 0.22 meters, which is like 12.5 uh, inches or 380 millimeters above the 12, 2012 uh, level. So uh, certainly uh, we have a Ministry of Humanitarian Affairs, Affairs Disaster Management, uh, which uh, supervises the Nigerian uh, Emergency Management Authority, NEMA, and I, I'm sure they are, they are doing their best, but uh, it's been so overwhelming uh, the situation is not only in rivers, on, on the you know basin, the, the Niger and Benue basin, but it's all over the country. If you take like uh, the northeast, where we have uh, uh, Jigawa and Yobe states, uh, the, 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 the flow regime there, the, 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 the watershed is the Jos Plateau, and mm -hmm. the, the, those rivers drain into the Lake Chad area. Uh, they've also suffered a, a devastating amount of flood. So it's all over the country, floodplains, uh, old rivers, uh, dead rivers have uh, come alive. And uh, uh, it's quite a challenge, but uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be doing the best we can between the federal and state governments. Uh, certainly the issue of uh, uh, you know, managing the disaster is not under the purview of my ministry, but of course it's our government. And I'm aware that uh, the National Emergency Management Agency uh, and the ministry uh, are doing uh, the best they can okay. uh, to provide uh, Soko and uh, alleviate some of the suffering. Okay, David, just really quickly, do you think that the government's doing enough? Are people there on the ground getting enough aid? So when you look at the actions that the Nigerian government has, has taken, uh, the Nigerian government, for example, has sent a delegation you know, to discuss with Cameroon and had an MOU where the Cameroonian government would usually inform Nigeria about what the uh, that they're about to release excess water and all of that that is it's great to know but what we fundamentally have is an infrastructure problem because if the dam the house uh, dam um dancing dam that was supposed to be built have been built this would significantly cushion the effects i give you some few statistics about this this dam because um Part of the reasons where we have this flooding um, issue is when the, the the water excess water is taken from the Lado Dam and it, from, from, from Cameroon and it begins to flow through the tributaries of the River Benue and River Niger. But I tell you that the dam that was supposed to be built by the Nigerian government several years ago was had the capacity it was supposed to be two and a half times the size of the Lado Dam, which would have easily cushioned the effect. I tell you again that it's not just to cushion the effects of flooding, but this dam also had a number of economic capabilities. One of it was it was supposed to be able to ensure that it generates nothing less than 300 megawatts of electricity. And by so doing, ensure that over provide electricity to provide irrigation services and support for over 150,000 hectares of farmland. Mm. When you look at a loan, then you understand that this is not just an infrastructure that needs to set in place just to mitigate flooding or to help manage the issues around flooding or the excess water that comes from Cameroon, but also 
uh, infrastructure that could improve the lives and livelihoods of those people within this region. And it was that that that, that was the plan. But so it, it, it is not it's not a question of whether we get relevant information from the Cameroonian government. Nema had confirmed that Cameroon had even sent an, 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 an some some alerts. You know, but sending red alerts to people who are living and going about their businesses to have to leave those locations is not good enough. Because at the end of the day, the day, when the flooding happens, when the destruction with the of, of, of the impacts of this flooding occur, when they come back to their businesses, do they need to really, they now need to start from scratch. They lose their houses in the process, they lose their businesses in the process, they lose, lose their, 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 their properties in the process. That is not enough. That's not that's not a solution. Yeah. Red alert is not a solution. We have a major infrastructure problem that needs to be fixed. And if it is not fixed, every year we'll get the notification, yes, this um, flooding is going to happen. But we need to fix this infrastructure. We need to get this dam completed. We need to ensure that the economic activities that are supposed to be created as a result of this dam begins to come into play. Because without getting this so this this solution in place, we will just be beating around the bush and will not be taking a significant solution towards tackling this problem. I know, uh, having researched uh, for this programme, a lot of uh, your countrymen feel exactly the same way, David. Just want to explain to the international audience that might not uh, understand the region that well. In the 80s, Cameroon built uh, the, the, a dam themselves, the Lagdo Dam. At the same time, Nigeria was meant to build their own dam further downstream that was approximately two and a half times the size of the Cameroonian dam, but that uh, would act as a buffer to stop any overflow from the Cameroon dam. But uh, that has to this day, never been finished. Um, I'd like to bring in uh, our third guest now uh, from Aberdeen in Scotland, Manu uh, Lukenzi, a teaching fellow in politics and international relations at the University of Aberdeen. Thank you very much uh, for being on the programme. Manu, can you explain uh, from a Cameroonian point of view uh, why you think uh, there has been so many issues uh, around the, the, both the Cameroon Dam but also uh, the Nigerian Dam as well? Yes, um, so it's good that you started by giving a little bit of background on how the infrastructure was supposed to be managed around this area. So, you know, let's, let's not kid ourselves. This issue is fundamentally a water management issue. Uh, I know the, the, the minister has talked about uh, being the rains being unprecedented. While, yes, the, the rains are heavier this year, but all the... Uh, the rains and the flows of the rivers have been studied for so many years, and all of this is predictable. So you have issues of uh, poor uh, uh, town planning in Nigeria, poor water management in Nigeria, and going talking about the case of Cameroon, Cameroon built a dam anticipating Nigeria to respond with a dam that can manage the flow, Cameroon informs Nigeria of its necessity to release some of the water in the dam. Nigeria does nothing. And when the floods come as they have come, Nigeria tried to use Cameroon as the, uh, as the scapegoat. So we, we have to be clear that this is an issue of poor uh, governance, poor governance in terms of urban planning, as well as managing what is a Nigerian resource. The water is, is a resource in Nigeria that should be managed effectively. As the other speaker said, this has 
saving lives in, in terms of avoiding floods also have implication on economics. So if you were to build uh, the dam as Nigeria is supposed to have, then it will produce electricity, it will, which will then feed into the economy and the livelihoods of the people. So fundamentally, this is a poor governance issue, principally on the side of Nigeria. Okay. Uh, Minister, you're in charge of water resources for Nigeria. It's been four decades. Why hasn't the dam been finished? Uh, first of all, let me say that uh, uh, it's easy to, 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 to lay all the blame on Lago Dam. I think we're cherry-picking, uh, but uh, the gentleman from Aberdeen uh, was kind enough to mention that there are other issues, there are planning issues, and these are centred on the fact that we have a federal government, a, a federal system of government, so there are responsibilities for federal government and there are responsibilities for the states. I want to say that uh, it's not just... Lago Dam, yes, it's a factor, uh, but we don't need only Dasin Kowadam on, on River Benway for us to be able to check this situation. Uh, we need so many dams on the Benway tri on the Benway Basin. Uh, we need we need to dam Donga, we need to dam Taraba, we need to dam Katsina Allah. Uh, in addition to the dancing dancing Hausa dam that they were talking that they are talking about. Uh, when we came into this administration in 2015, there was a there had been an effort to start the process of constructing the uh, the dancing core dam, the planning aspect, but the planning was very poor, so we had to start all over again. Uh, as I'm talking to you now, there are consultants working, they have done the feasibility study, they are doing detailed engineering design for us to be able to have a proper uh, uh, design and a proper uh, dam project. Uh, initially, when we came in, some, we were looking at a BOT arrangement with some contractors who wanted to build a hydropower component along with it. But unfortunately, they said that they, when they checked that the, the, the financial model wasn't suitable for them. Yes, we need the Darcy Kowada, but we are not all the, the Darcy House Dam. We also have, this government has completed one of the projects, which is Kashibila. It's also one of the dams that needs to be, be a check, but this is a process that's going to take some time. As I'm telling you, talking to you now, we have signed MOUs with several companies. We have two dams, hydropower projects, uh, uh, dam and hydropower project that are being planned on River Benway. The, there's a Lokoja, uh, Bainway 1 and Bainway 2. There's uh, also an, uh, a business plan, out, outline business case approved for Katsina Ala. And there are quite a number of other smaller uh, projects, in addition to hopefully in the future, the Mambila Hydropower project that, that we, we hope uh, will come on stream. The problem is the Bainway River has so many tributaries that have not been, uh, you know, uh, dammed. Uh, and therefore, it's not only about, about Lago Dam. And let me say that uh, uh, Cameroonian authorities are not being uh, 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 truthful. We signed an MOU with them in 2016. They were supposed to be alerting us on a regular basis. Every year, we are the ones through the Nigeria Hydrological Service Agency that go to check on them. Two years ago or three years ago, they released the waters without informing the Nigerian authorities, contrary to the provisions of the, of the, of the Memorandum of Understanding that we signed with them. And we even had to write a protest letter to the, to, to the Cameroonian authorities. This year, they released the waters on 13th of October, uh, September. Uh, but that is not the, that's not the only issue. It's not about the Lagoda release alone. The entire country has been flooded because of unprecedented rains. Lagoda is a factor, but it's not a significant factor. And let me say this, we 
have transboundary waters, yes, the Red Rivers, Niger and Bimi, but they constitute only 20% of the total freshwater flow into the country. 80% of the rest of the flow is actually uh, generated within the Nigerian territory from the either Mambila Highlands or the Jos Plateau or the, 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 the highlands uh, in Benin Republic that uh, drain into the southwestern region. Okay, I guess, you know, there's a million people standing in water wondering when they'll be able to get back to their homes, if at all. They don't want to play a blame game. They're just looking to the government to actually come up with a solution. So can you give us a timeline on when the dam might be able to be finished? Because we know that the Cameroonians are going to continue to release water. So is there, is there a date, is there a timeline that you can, that you can give these people that have, have lost everything in these last floods? You cannot, I've said that uh, the dam is important, but it's not the only issue, but uh, a dam of that uh, importance and uh, 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 the, of that strategic importance needs to be properly designed. Because if by the time you put up a dam where it's, uh, the, we want to put it, uh, chances are that the, 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 you know, the water will inundate even, even parts of Cameroon. But there is a more detailed engineering study going on, which I commissioned. And uh, I feel that all the necessary studies need to be done so that the dam does not become uh, a problem when it is supposed to be a solution. That is one. Then we have other uh, uh, strategies that we're looking at. River Niger, for instance, uh, flows in from, uh, uh, starts from the Futajalon Mountains, uh, crosses through five countries before coming into Nigeria. A lot of it is in the Sahara Desert. So it comes with a lot of sediments. Mm. And we're already planning a more a detailed master plan study for the rivers, for rivers Niger and Benue, so that we can introduce some river training uh, solutions uh, going forward, and uh, maybe also reclaim some 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 areas and provide uh, better navigational uh, channels within the rivers, uh, as, used to, as it used to be several decades ago. Okay. And when we do that, we feel that uh, by improving the capacity of the channels uh, of rivers Niger and Benue we can alleviate some of, some of the problem. But uh, it's not, it's, there is no one fixed solution. Uh, water resources management is tough, uh, and it takes years uh, to achieve. Even when you start a program, you can take decades before you're able to conclude it. Okay. Manu, we're going to go to you now, um, just before we, we finish up this program. What do you make of the minister there, uh, I guess, alluding to the fact that the communication from the Cameroonian side uh, hasn't been what it should be? Yeah, so you could say that that's the case because, like like I said earlier on, there's you know a, a degree of uh, a poor governance in this case. Um, maybe signals are not picked or transmitted as they should be. But what the the, the minister is not saying, though the minister has said a lot about uh, accepting that Lagdo is a small part of all of this. What the minister, perhaps because it's not part of his portfolio, is not talking well about uh, town planning or city planning in Nigeria, how people are building on floodplains, how even Nigerian uh, laws around building on floodplains are not properly enforced because this is part of the whole flooding uh, system. Like you mentioned earlier, there are people standing in water asking what needs to be done or what could be done for them. And all of these issues have to be thought about in connection. It's not just about building dams or releasing water, but thinking about a holistic pro, uh, uh, process that manages water 
to protect people from floods, but also to contribute to, to economics. And from the Cameroonian side of it, they can only work on what uh, the Nigerians agree to do downstream and what they can do in, in uh, Cameroon without thinking much about what is happening in Nigeria. So they, both governments need an effective uh, water management system commission or whatever that communicates on even a, a weekly or daily basis to manage what is uh, a shared water resource for all of them. But we must emphasize that this is mm. an issue where things have not been managed properly okay. for so many years. The minister is saying all of this now. You would see that next year there will be another flood and another minister will come and say exactly the same thing. So this is not new. Uh, so we need you need to, as, as the media, hold the minister accountable to make sure that this, this happens. OK, well, that's exactly what we try to do here on Inside Story. Thank you very much, uh, Minister Solomon Adamu, uh, David Arinzi and Manu Lukunzi for being on Inside Story. Well, that's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohammed Al-Archi, Leah Harding, Sarah Gill and Jimmy Gitterhoon. Studio sound was Suraj Sankar. The programme was edited by Mohamed Sobian, Lynn Nguyen and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday. Mm-hmm.